Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Week 7 Waiver Wire Show. My name is Dylan Bird here on the Sports Bird Podcast. We're filming this just after the Monday Night Football doubleheader has concluded. And let's just say if you are a Dallas Cowboy fan, I am sorry. That was one of the most brutal quarterback performances that I've watched in a long time. Andy Dalton looked absolutely terrible. He looked like he did not belong in the league anymore. That being said, Week 6 is officially in the books, and we could officially look ahead to Week 7 and talk about the waiver wire like we normally do. We will go through all 32 teams. We will talk about the injuries that happened on each team and the potential waiver wire replacements on each team as well. We will have a quad box in the background like I do here, Scott Hansen style, going through each division. And, you know, there's not a ton to talk about this week. It's a pretty light week on the waiver wire, so we will fly through it. Expect 20 to 30 minutes. going to go through everything real quick but detailed like normal. Before we get started, be sure to like this video and be sure to subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. This is a brand new YouTube channel, so all of that really, really helps me out a lot. If you are new to this channel, I do this waiver wire show every single Tuesday. I also do college football betting picks every single Friday, and I also have an NFL player prop show that gets released over on Sal Vetri's YouTube channel each Friday in addition to that. I also have my own website, sportsbird.com, where you could submit your fantasy football trades into our one-of-a-kind fantasy football trade analyzer. I will get back to you as soon as possible on that once you submit your trade, and I'll give you advice on that. In addition, if you don't follow me on Twitter already, be sure to follow me at sports underscore bird. You know, if you have any questions for me, always feel free to DM, reach out, tweet at me. I'll always be around to answer, and I just love interacting with everyone on social media or even on the YouTube comments over here. So be sure to comment, be sure to tweet at me. I will always be around. Now let's get started. Beginning with the AFC East, we have the New York Jets. Now I talk about my New York Jets fandom every single week, and it's not going any better for me. I am looking forward to getting Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this is a once-in-a-generation quarterback. I know the term generational is being thrown around a lot, but I'm going to use it for Trevor Lawrence because I really do believe he's that good. But this is not a draft podcast as of now. We're talking about the waiver wire, so I'm not going to go off too much on a tangent there. We'll talk about the current New York Jets. We had wide receiver Brashad Perryman, who returned from an ankle injury and had four catches for 62 yards on eight targets, which was 20.5% of the target share. So Brashad Perryman was a guy that people thought potentially could be the number one wide receiver in this Jets offense going into the year, kind of taking over that Robbie Anderson role from last year. However, since Pyramid has been hurt and the Jets offense has been a complete disaster, that has not happened. It is a little bit encouraging to see Pyramid get four catches and eight targets here. However, a lot of those catches did come in garbage time. I'm not really interested in Brashad Perryman going forward, nor am I interested in any New York Jets player going forward on this offense not named Jamison Crowder. But, you know, I will go over the running back snap share because we did have Le'Veon Bell get released after last week's game. And as a result, the two running backs that are going to get the most run here are LaMichael P. Ryan and Frank Gore. LaMichael P. Ryan, the rookie out of Florida, had the majority of the snap share at 56.5%, had seven rushes for 27 yards, two receptions for nine yards. And in addition, Frank Gore had 36.2% of the snaps, 11 carries for 46 yards rushing, four for 24 receiving. So as we've been seeing, Frank Gore is still getting the majority of the carries, but this is the first week that we saw Michael Pirine get the majority of the snap share. If you're in deep leagues, I'd consider picking up Pirine because it's possible that Pirine does start producing. However, we know Adam Gase loves Frank Gore, so I do still expect 
Gore to get the majority of the carries going forward or at least get his share every single week, no matter what, for the rest of the season. doesn't matter to Gase that Gore is 37 years old and Piran is just a rookie. Piran should be getting these snaps, but I don't expect him to that much. That being said, his role did increase this week, so it is something I'd keep an eye on. Not sure if I'd claim him this week, but I just you know kind of keep him flagged for the future. But as I keep saying, and as the notes say in the back, the Jets are 0-6, and they have scored less than 20 points in five of their six games. In fact, they scored zero points this past week against the Miami Dolphins, so do not touch this team until proven otherwise, unless you have Jamison Crowder on your roster, who leads all wide receivers in targets per game at 11.5, which is pretty interesting considering how bad the Jets really are. Moving on to the Miami Dolphins, we had wide receiver Devontae Parker, who left the game with a groin injury. Not good. Dolphins' number one wide receiver leaving with a groin injury, and we don't really know the status of Parker going forward. Obviously, if Parker misses an extended period of time, Preston Williams' stock is going to go extremely high, especially with the way Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing. Now, that leads me right into Fitzpatrick here. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been a top 12 fantasy quarterback this season, and he continued his good performances with three touchdown passes against the Jets this week, only at 191 yards and did have two interceptions. But Fitzpatrick has been really, really good this season. So if you need a quarterback to plug into your lineup for when your starting quarterback has a bye week, Ryan Fitzpatrick is definitely not a bad option at all. Now, this is assuming that he keeps his starting job after the bye week. Tua did get some time at the end of this game to close it out as it was a blowout. It was Tua's debut, but with the way Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing, I don't know if I see Tua actually getting a start this season, possibly until week 16 or 17 when the Dolphins are eliminated from the playoffs. But the Dolphins are playing well right now under Fitzpatrick, so with the extended wildcard spot, each conference getting seven teams in the playoffs, I do think it's possible that the Dolphins could potentially make a run at it with the way Fitzpatrick is playing. Now, moving on to the New England Patriots. All there is to talk about really here is the running back snapshot. The Patriots haven't been all that much of a fantasy-relevant team this year. Cam Newton has had his good weeks, and Julian Edelman has had a good week here and there, but there hasn't been that much fantasy relevance on this roster at all. The running back snapshot in New England is always tricky. You never know who is going to get the majority of the snaps, so I don't really put too much stock into a single week. However, James White did get the majority of the snap share this week. He had 55.5% of the snap share, four carries for eight yards rushing, and then where he always thrives is the receiving game where he had eight catches for 65 yards on nine targets, which was a third of the target share, 33.3%. Then you had Rex Burkhead get 32.1% of the snap share, with five carries for 14 yards. And then you had Damian Harris, who was the guy who had 100 rushing yards in his debut, shocking everyone against the Chiefs. We thought that potentially Damian Harris could become the guy in New England. But like I said, you can never trust Belichick. You can never trust this Patriots running back situation ever. Every single year, it's the same exact thing. And Damian Harris follows up his 100-yard debut by getting only 19.6% of the snaps and going for six carries for 19 yards on the ground one catch for 15 yards as well Damian Harris is somebody who was picked up by a lot of people but I don't think this is a situation you could really trust going forward you never know who is going to actually get the high percentage of the snaps the only running back you really trust here is James White and it's just because he does bring in so many targets if he's getting a third of the targets getting eight receptions he is going to be pretty valuable in a PPR league now moving on to the Buffalo Bills playing against the Chiefs on Monday night, the 5 o'clock game. By the way, I love the Monday night doubleheaders. I think they need to keep this going 
into next year. Possibly next year you make one less Sunday 1 o'clock game and add it on Monday night because I think the Monday night doubleheaders is absolutely amazing. I love doing the Millie Maker on Mondays when there's two games. It's always a ton of fun. You know, you get to start watching football at 5, you finish watching football at 11. It's great six hours of football on Monday. But to actually get to the game here, Chiefs, Bills, we had a rainy one. Running back Zach Moss returned from a toe injury, only had five carries for 10 yards rushing. The only other thing I have to say here is that wide receiver Cole Beasley had four catches for 45 yards and a touchdown on seven targets, which was a 28% target share. He is worth a look in very, very deep leagues, possibly where you play multiple flex. Beasley has been pretty reliable. He has been getting his four to five catches a game, and Josh Allen is throwing the ball well this year. I mean, he didn't against the Chiefs, but he has been throwing the ball a lot, and he has been throwing well, and he does love Cole Beasley. So I think in deep leagues, Cole Beasley could be an option if you do play multiple flex. If you are in a very deep league, Cole Beasley, not a terrible option on waivers. Now, moving on to the AFC North, we have the Baltimore Ravens. Now, there hasn't been that much to talk about with the Baltimore Ravens this year in terms of waiver wire. All we've really been looking at is the running back snap share because that has been different week to week. This week, we had running back Mark Ingram go down and leave the game with an ankle injury, which leaves the running back snap share at Gus Edwards getting 44.8% of the snaps, J.K. Dobbins getting 40.3% of the snaps, and then Ingram getting 13.4% of the snaps. Obviously, Ingram did leave the game, so that's why his number is impacted so much. Gus Edwards had 14 carries for 26 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Then J.K. Dobbins had 9 carries for 28 yards. Two catches for one yard receiving on four targets. Ingram had five carries for 20 yards on the ground as well. Gus Edwards continues to get the like around 40% of the snap share, which I think is pretty interesting. But what I keep saying is J.K. Dobbins is going to end up being the best running back on this team. I already think he is. I just think it's a matter of time before he does break out. One guy we're going to talk about later in this video is DeAndre Swift, who finally got his carries this week and definitely made the most of it and I think that could happen with J.K. Dobbins very soon especially with Mark Ingram if he's out for an extended period of time so what I will say is do not think about dropping J.K. Dobbins I still believe in him long term it may not be till week 10 it may not be till week 12 but I do believe that J.K. Dobbins could be a valuable fantasy asset later in the season now moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals we have T. Higgins, the wide receiver, the rookie from Clemson, who I've spoke about several times throughout the last few weeks. He had six catches for 125 yards on eight targets in week six. It is his fourth straight game with seven or more targets, and he's still less than 50% owned in leagues. You have to grab him if he's available still. He is one of my top waiver wire pickups of the week. I know I've mentioned him before, and I've said you have to pick him up. Otherwise, it is going to be too late. It may be too late in your league, but if he is still available, and again, in over half of leagues he is, you need to pick him up. Higgins really does seem to be settling into this number two wide receiver role behind Tyler Boyd. A.J. Green has kind of been here and there good. Like, I don't really know what to think about A.J. Green, but it's pretty clear to me that Joe Burrow really likes T. Higgins, and he is producing every single week consistently. So if T. Higgins is still available in your league, you must pick him up. Now moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. All there really is to talk about is Chase Claypool. He was my top waiver wire pickup last week. Now, Deontay Johnson did miss week six with a back injury, and as a result, Chase Claypool came through for the second straight week. He had four catches for 74 yards 
receiving on four targets, and he also had two carries for seven yards and a touchdown on the ground. The interesting thing here is that the Steelers seem to like to give Chase Claypool carries in the red zone, despite the fact that he is a wide receiver. This is the second straight week that he has scored a short rushing touchdown. So not only does, I mean, that, that just adds to his value. I mean, we know that he's going to be a beast receiver when he is in the game filling in for Deontay Johnson when he's out. But these rushing touchdowns really does help his value as well. I know Chase Claypool is owned, owned in pretty much over 80% of leagues at this point. But if he's somehow still available, you must add him. He is really, really good. Now, this rookie wide receiver class in general is just one of the best we've ever seen. Normally, with the rookie wide receivers, you have one or two that break out later in the year. And other than that, you kind of have a few that are good here and there. Not really that consistent. But so far this year, there have been a ton of guys a ton of rookies who have been consistently really, really good. T. Higgins and Chase Claypool are two of these guys, and there's just so many more between Judy, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs when he's been healthy has been very good. Justin Jefferson has been one of the best wide receivers in the league. I mean, the, the, the names don't stop. These rookie wide receivers have been so, so good. This is truly the best fantasy rookie wide receiver class that I have seen in quite some time, and Chase Claypool is right at the top of that list. Now moving on to the Cleveland Browns, all there is to talk about with Nick Chubb continuing to be out is the running back snap share. Kareem Hunt did get 51.9% of the snaps this week, 13 carries for 40 yards rushing, 2 for 17 receiving. Dearness Johnson with only 29.6% of the snaps, 4 carries for 1 yard rushing. Not much else to say here, the Browns got absolutely destroyed this week. You can't really judge anything in terms of fantasy based on this week. Just one of those games that they got blown out in, so... I mean, again, if you have Kareem Hunt on your roster, he's going to be a really, really good option with Nick Chubb continuing to be out. Dearness Johnson, based on the last two weeks, I don't really think you could trust him that much at all. You know, he was my top waiver wire pickup a couple of weeks ago once Chubb went down, but I think it's really just the Dallas Cowboys defense being that bad that made Dearness Johnson look like a viable waiver pickup. It really doesn't seem like the Browns love to give him carries, and it seems like the Browns mostly are just riding Hunt in the backfield, and not Dearness Johnson. So not much else to say there. We are going to move on to the AFC South. Looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars, there is nothing much to report here in terms of injuries, in terms of waiver wire, so I am going to move on. Now looking at the Indianapolis Colts, the main question has been who is going to fill the void for injured receiver Paris Campbell and injured receiver Michael Pittman. For the last few weeks, I've been saying wide receiver Zach Paschal and tight end Mo Ali Cox. First of all, Zach Pascal has barely produced since I've said that, except for this week, he finally did something. He had four catches for 54 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. It's also worth noting that wide receiver Marcus Johnson chipped in with eight targets to lead the team, five catches for 108 yards. And then in terms of Mo Ali Cox, he did miss this week with an injury. And the last few weeks, tight end Trey Burden has been great. This week, he had four catches for 58 yards and a touchdown receiving on five targets. He also had a one-yard touchdown run in this game. Now, Trey Burden could be an interesting option moving forward in these deep leagues, especially if Mo Ali Cox remains injured, then Burden will definitely be an option. Even when Mo Ali Cox comes back, he has not been running a ton of routes, and I still think that the Colts like Burden as a pass-catching tight end and a route-running tight end more than they do Mo Ali Cox. I do think it's possible that Trey Burden does turn into a fantasy option. If you do need a tight end in deeper leagues, I would highly consider taking a shot on Trey Burden, especially if Mo Ali Cox remains out. But even if Mo Ali Cox does come back, then I would still highly consider Burden 
at the tight end position. In terms of the Tennessee Titans, we had tight end Jonu Smith leave the game with an ankle injury. Jonu Smith has been absolutely phenomenal this year. He has been a top five fantasy tight end this year. Not good to see him go out. He's officially questionable for next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But tight end Anthony Fersker had eight catches for 113 yards and a touchdown on nine targets, which led the team and was a 21.95% target share for the Titans. So my advice to you is that if you have Jonu Smith, I would highly consider picking up Fersker if Jonu Smith cannot go next week, unless you have another backup tight end on your roster, then just plug him in. But if you don't really have another tight end, for example, in one of my leagues, I have Zach Ertz and Jonu Smith as my two tight ends. Ertz has not been reliable at all, plus he's out. We're going to talk about that you know, later, but he's out for the next month with an ankle sprain. So if Jonu Smith is out, I don't really have anywhere to go for tight end. I could look at Anthony Fersker, potentially, who basically did play Jonu Smith's role when Jonu Smith left the game. So that's definitely an interesting way to look at things. You could look at Fersker if you have Jonu Smith on your roster and do not have a backup tight end or a good backup tight end or Zach Ertz as your backup tight end. I really do expect Fersker to continue to play a big role in this offense if Jonu Smith has to miss a week or two with this ankle sprain. It's also worth noting that QB Ryan Tannehill completed 30 of his 41 passes for 364 yards and four touchdowns. He also had one interception, but Ryan Tannehill has been absolutely fantastic this year. He's been ridiculous, so just keep that in mind. I know he was still inv- available in some leagues as of a week ago, so if he is still available in your leagues and you do need a quarterback, then highly consider picking up Ryan Tannehill. Now moving on to the Houston Texans, I will once again mention Brandon Cooks, the wide receiver who followed up his amazing performance last week with another one this week. He had nine catches for 68 yards and a touchdown on nine targets, which was 24.3% of the target share. He needs to be owned in every single league. I know that he is owned in a ton ton so far, especially after last week, but if he's still available... Be sure to grab him. He's been absolutely dominant recently since Bill O'Brien has departed. He's been great. He's had an increased role in the offense for sure. And Deshaun Watson is really looking back to form as well since Bill O'Brien did get fired. So I really like this Texans offense moving forward, and I think Cooks will play a big role in it next to Will Fuller, who's been absolutely fantastic this year. And then you have tight end Darren Fells. I wouldn't really look at picking him up yet. He's just one of those guys that I would flag and pay attention to looking forward. Fells had six catches for 85 yards and a touchdown on seven targets, which was 18.9% of the target share. He also had two catches for 57 yards and a touchdown on two targets last week. So second straight week with a touchdown for Fells. It should be interesting to monitor him moving forward. Now, Fells was kind of like this last year where he had his streaks of touchdown weeks, and then he would just kind of do nothing all the other weeks. Fells hadn't really done anything prior to these two weeks. So again, just a guy that you flag moving forward, keep an eye on him, but I wouldn't pick him up just yet. Now moving on to the AFC West, which will easily be our quickest division of the day. We have two teams that were on a bye this week, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Then we have the Kansas City Chiefs, which I have nothing really to say in terms of injuries, in terms of the waiver wire. So the only team I want to touch on here is the Denver Broncos, where we had wide receiver Tim Patrick put together another impressive performance. Patrick had four catches for 101 yards on eight targets, which led the team and was a 33.3% target share. So he got a third of the targets in Denver. He has 100 plus yards in two straight games. He has a touchdown in two of his last three games. He is still available in approximately 80% of leagues. Now, 
With Cortland Sutton out for the year, the Broncos needed a number two receiver to step up next to Jerry Judy, and Tim Patrick has definitely been that guy. And with Noah Fant missing some time with an ankle sprain, Patrick has for sure seen an increase in targets. And Noah Fant will probably be back next week, and if he's not, he'll probably be back two weeks from now. But I still expect Patrick to play a role in this offense as the number two wide receiver going forward, and definitely think he's worth an ad in most leagues. Now moving on to the NFC East, where 6-10 may legitimately win the division, the worst division I've ever seen in all my years watching the NFL. We start with the Dallas Cowboys, where Dak Prescott obviously out for the season, as you guys know, and Andy Dalton took over for Dak this week and was absolutely dreadful. I mean, that game was just hard to watch from a Dallas perspective. Dalton completed 34 of his 54 passes for 266 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. Now the stat line looks a lot better than the actual performance was. Don looks like he doesn't really belong in the league anymore, to be honest. Like it looked it looked that bad. He couldn't move well. He couldn't throw well. He threw a ton of ducks. He made a ton of throws that were not even close to the receivers. Every single offensive player, all three receivers, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, as well as tight end Don Schultz, they're all gonna take a huge production drop with Dak Prescott out. I mean, everyone knew that. I thought that Dalton was going to be fine going forward. Uh, I knew that these guys were going to take a drop in production, but I did not think it would be that drastic. After watching tonight, it seems like this is going to be a huge problem for the Cowboys going forward and a huge problem in fantasy football if you are relying on one of those, one of these receivers in your fantasy leagues. So one of those things that you're just going to have to deal with, like it's very unfortunate uh, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper are not going to be putting up ridiculous numbers every single week anymore. Like Cooper had a really, really solid week, seven catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. However, most of that came in garbage time. I, I don't really see these guys being great going forward. I do see them as options, but it is really tough if you do have Dallas receivers because going from Dak to Dalton is basically falling off a cliff. So if you do have Dallas receivers, that is very, very unfortunate it is going to be a major problem going forward. Now looking at the New York Giants, the only thing really to talk about is that running back snap share. We had Devonta Freeman getting 76.1% of the snaps, 18 carries for 61 yards on the ground, and one catch for minus four yards receiving. And then Deion Lewis receiving only 17.4% of the snaps, zero carries, one reception for 10 yards. Now Freeman has clearly established himself as the guy in New York. He is a legit flex option. He is owned in most leagues, but this is just something that we've been paying attention to for the last few weeks, and it seems like Freeman has fully taken over that job. Now looking at the Washington football team, one interesting thing here, we have J.D. McKissick getting a higher percentage of snaps than Antonio Gibson. McKissick coming in at 53.6%, Gibson coming in at 37.7%, and then Peyton Barber coming in at 10.1%. McKissick had eight carries for 41 yards on the ground, six catches for 43 yards receiving on six targets, whereas Gibson had nine carries for 30 yards, and then four catches for 25 yards receiving on five targets. Peyton Barber had four carries for six yards and one catch for four yards receiving. Now the thing here is, is that with Kyle Allen at quarterback and not Dwayne Haskins, there have been a lot more short dump-off passes, and J.D. McKissick has been the guy to be in and catch those not necessarily Antonio Gibson. Now, I know that McKissick had six catches compared to Gibson's four. Not a huge, huge difference, but McKissick's receptions and target share these last two weeks with 
Kyle Allen at QB has been significant, which does worry me about Antonio Gibson going forward. I think his usage could be less, but the good news with Antonio Gibson is that he is playing against the Dallas Cowboys next week, and this goes for J.D. McKissick as well. McKissick with Kyle Allen at quarterback has become a legit option to be rostered. I think you should highly consider picking him up, especially in PPR leagues where he is going to get points for these receptions, these dump-off passes that he is catching. McKissick and Gibson could both be potential flex options next week against the weakest defense in the league, the Dallas Cowboys. Now moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles, they have suffered more injuries with running back Miles Sanders leaving the game with a knee injury and tight end Zach Ertz leaving the game with an ankle injury. Now Miles Sanders is expected to miss Thursday night's game against the Giants and Zach Ertz is also expected to miss Thursday night's game against the Giants. Ertz is expected to miss around a month. Now, running back Boston Scott is going to be the featured back, is going to be the starter against the New York Giants. So he is one of my top waiver pickups this week. If you have Miles Sanders, you need to go grab Boston Scott. Even if you don't have Miles Sanders and you just need a flex option this week, Boston Scott against a very weak New York Giants defense is definitely a good way to go, especially in PPR. Boston Scott, you know, is going to catch a ton of passes. And last year, he did destroy the Giants in Week 17, so he really could be an option and a decent one for your flex this week. If you have Miles Sanders, be sure to pick him up. If you need a running back, be sure to pick him up. Also worth mentioning for the Eagles is Travis Fulgham, who had another great performance for the third week in a row now. He had six catches for 75 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets, which tied a team league. He had 25.6% of the target share. Remember last week, he had 10 catches for 152 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. He's still available in over 50% of leagues, so Travis Fulgham is a must-add. I mean, until Alshon Jeffrey comes back, until Deshaun Jackson comes back, until Jalen Rieger comes back, until Dallas Goddard comes back, until now Zach Ertz comes back, Travis Fulgham is going to be the guy in that receiving core that's going to get the targets. Um, I mentioned Greg Ward in the past, but it really seems like Carson Wentz does like Travis Fulgham more than he does Greg Ward. Fulgham has really been getting a ton of production you know, at this receiver spot with all these guys out. So you need to add Travis Fulgham if he's still available in your league. Now moving on to the NFC North, we have the Green Bay Packers where wide receiver Devontae Adams returned from his hamstring injury this week. The Packers looked absolutely horrible this week. They only put up 10 points. Nobody on the team really put up any kind of good stats at all, but Adams did have six catches for 61 yards receiving on 10 targets, which was a 32.2% target share. I still expect Adams you know, going forward when the Packers offense does have better days, and they sure will because this was easily their worst performance of the season. Adams is still going to get a boatload of targets. I expect his target share to be almost this high every single game, especially with the lack of talent at the receiver position in Green Bay. It is also worth noting that tight end Robert Tanyan, who I did have as a top pickup two weeks ago after his three touchdown performance in the Packers last game against the Falcons, Tanyan only had three catches for 25 yards on four targets in this game. But the entire, as I said, the entire Packer offense was so bad in this game. So I expect Tanyan to still be good moving forward and still be a tight end option moving forward. Now moving on to the Chicago Bears, the one guy I want to highlight here is the guy that I've been highlighting every week. It's tight end Jimmy Graham. Graham had five catches for 34 yards on eight targets which was second most on the team. Now, I know Graham did not have a great day in terms of receiving yards. He only had 34, but, you know, he is really Foles' second favorite target behind Allen Robinson. As you saw, he was second in the team in targets this week. Foles really does love him, and as long as Foles is the quarterback, 
then Jimmy Graham is a reliable tight end option in fantasy football. So if you're looking for a tight end and Jimmy Graham is still available in your league, you need to pick him up for sure. Now moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, we have running back Dalvin Cook who missed week six with a groin injury but will return in week eight after Minnesota's bye week. Everyone was very high on Alexander Madison this week who took over for Dalvin Cook as the starting running back. He was playing the Atlanta Falcons and he did not live up to expectations. He only had 10 carries for 26 yards, one catch for four yards receiving on just two targets. However, what, who I do want to mention is wide receiver Justin Jefferson, who I highlighted multiple weeks prior to this. He's absolutely insane. He's been the best rookie wide receiver so far and one of the best receivers in the NFL in general. Nine catches for 166 yards and two touchdowns on 11 targets. Teams have been absolutely torching this Falcon secondary, and Justin Jefferson was the beneficiary of that this week with another huge performance. Then moving on to the Lions, the thing we've been talking about week to week has been the running back snap share, and I've been so frustrated, as have a lot of other people, that DeAndre Swift has not been getting a lot of carries at all. He has been catching passes, but he hasn't been getting a ton of snaps. He has not been getting a ton of carries. That changed this week. Looking at the snap share, you had Adrian Peterson with 38.6% of the snaps, DeAndre Swift just under that at 37.1% of the snaps, and Carryon Johnson at 20.0% of the snaps. Adrian Peterson had 15 carries for 40 yards and a touchdown rushing, one catch for 18 receiving, and DeAndre Swift had 14 carries, which is a career high, for 116 yards and two touchdowns. Three catches for seven yards receiving on four targets. Carry on Johnson, who is basically irrelevant at this point. Four carries for nine yards rushing and one for 11 receiving. Is this the beginning of the breakout of DeAndre Swift? I think it definitely could be. I've been saying it all year. DeAndre Swift is the best running back on this team, and it's not close. Swift was my favorite running back in this 2020 NFL draft. When I watched the tape, he did some things that really reminded me of Saquon Barkley, and that is not an exaggeration of all. I think Swift is absolutely incredible. I think he's going to be a really, really, really good running back in this league. If DeAndre Swift is going to get 14 to 15 carries for the rest of the year, then I think that he has legit top 20 running back upside going forward for the rest of the season. I mean, we saw him go off this week. This could be the beginning of a breakout for the rookie running back, DeAndre Swift. Great to see. I'm very excited. There are so many people who used early picks on Swift, and it, I'm happy to see that it could possibly start finally paying off soon. Now moving on to the NFC South, we have the Tampa Bay Bucks. We have a decent amount to talk about. Running back Leonard Fournette did miss week six with an ankle injury, and as a result, running back Ronald Jones went off again. He had 23 carries for 113 yards and two touchdowns rushing, as well as two catches for eight yards receiving. In addition, wide receiver Chris Godwin returned from his injury and had five catches for 48 yards receiving on seven targets, and tight end Rob Gronkowski's workload has also increased with the absence of O.J. Howard. Gronkowski had five catches for 78 yards and a touchdown receiving on a team leading eight targets this week, 29.6% of the share. I thought it was going to be Cameron Brait who was going to really replace Howard's production. So far, it looks like it's been Rob Gronkowski. If Rob Gronkowski was dropped in your league based on early struggles, now is the time to grab Gronk. His numbers are on the upswing. He's being used a lot more in the passing game. He's not just being used as a blocker, so that's great to see. We're really seeing some production out of Rob Gronkowski and you need to pick him up if he is available on the waiver wire. Now moving to the Atlanta Falcons, the only thing to mention is that wide receiver Julio Jones returned from his injury to his best performance of the season, eight catches for 137 yards and two touchdowns on 10 targets, which is 27% of the target share. 
congratulations to the Falcons on getting their first win of the season. The New Orleans Saints were on a bye this week, so nothing to discuss there. And then the Carolina Panthers, the only thing to discuss is the injury status of Christian McCaffrey. When Matt Rule was asked in his press conference about when Christian McCaffrey will return, he said this week, next week, or the week after. So basically, we don't really know when Christian McCaffrey is going to come off IR. He could play in week seven, or he could play in week eight, or he could play in week nine. We don't really know. What we do know is that Mike Davis, the backup running back, is going to remain a great fantasy option while Christian McCaffrey is out. Mike Davis had basically his worst week in week six, and he still had 18 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown rushing, two catches for three yards receiving. Now moving on to the NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks were on a bye. Not much to discuss there. In terms of the Arizona Cardinals, it's worth noting that wide receiver Christian Kirk did have two catches for 86 yards and two touchdowns on three targets. Kirk has not been huge this year, but it is worth mentioning that it is good to see that he had such a huge day against the Dallas Cowboys, but it seems like every single receiver has a huge day against the Dallas Cowboys, so how much value do you actually put into that? I don't know if you really put any value into that, plus he only did have three targets. What I do want to harp more on is the running back snap share, which I keep saying is important because I do expect Chase Edmonds to take the job from Kenyon Drake by the season's end. It's not going to happen anytime soon after tonight because Kenny Drake had 20 carries for 164 yards and two touchdowns on 67.7% of the snaps. And Chase Edmonds had five carries for 23 yards rushing, one catch for six yards and two touchdowns on 37.1% of the snaps. Now we know that Dallas's defense is so bad, they make every single running back look like Barry Sanders. So Kenny and Drake obviously went off tonight. But I really, really do like the upside of Chase Edmonds. And if he's still available in your league, I'd grab him. Because if Kenny and Drake goes down, Edmonds is going to be absolutely huge. And I think that even if Drake is healthy, I think Edmonds could still be huge at the end of the season. If he does, in fact, take over or just get an increased workload, which I think is very, very, very possible. Now, looking at the San Francisco 49ers, it is very unfortunate that running back Raheem Moser did suffer another injury. He has an ankle injury and is expected to miss time and be placed on IR. Looking at other running backs that could potentially take his place going forward, you have Jarek McKinnon, who had six carries for 18 yards rushing, two for 10 receiving on three targets. Now, McKinnon would, would be the natural option here to replace Mostert, as he did earlier in the year when Mostert and Coleman were out. Now, it looks like Coleman is going to be out next week as well, so Coleman will not be in the picture even when Mostert is out. So it is looking like Jared McKinnon will take Raheem Mostert's spot in the offense. But one thing I do want to mention is that running back Jermichael Hasty had nine carries for 37 yards rushing in this game. So it's possible that Jared McKinnon will not take as much of the snaps as you think with Mostert out, with Hasty in the picture. I don't really know. That's going to be really hard to tell. But for now, I would think that it's going to be Jared McKinnon getting most of the touches with Mostert and Coleman out once again. I also want to mention the rookie wide receiver Brandon Ayuk had another touchdown this week. He had two catches for 12 yards receiving on three targets in addition to that touchdown. He's another guy that if he's on waivers, I think that there is upside going forward and I potentially look at picking him up. Now in Los Angeles with the Rams, one of the only significant things in terms of waiver wire for them all season has been that running back snap share, which has been pretty unpredictable every week. One week it's Malcolm Brown, the other week it's Daryl Henderson, and then Akers mixed in. You don't really know. This week it was interesting. We had Daryl Henderson get 52.6% of the snaps and have 14 carries for 88 yards rushing. Malcolm Brown got 43.9% of the snaps, but only had two carries for four yards rushing and three for 18 receiving on four targets. Cam Akers, the rookie from Florida State, only had one snap 
the entire game, which is pretty crazy to see. It seems like head coach Sean McVay is finally settling on Daryl Henderson as being the starting running back on this team, which is pretty understandable considering Daryl Henderson seems head over heels better than the other backs on that team. Henderson seems to be the guy. I think it is really time to let go of Malcolm Brown if you still have him on your roster. And Cam Akers, you stash him just in case, but it is unfortunate to see Akers getting such a limited snap share. That does it for this week's Waiver Wire show. Just remember, before you leave, like this video and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. It really, really helps me a lot. In addition, I will have my college football betting picks coming on this channel on Friday. I will also have my NFL Player Props show on Sal Vetri's channel coming on Friday as well. In addition, you can follow me on Twitter at sports underscore bird. Feel free to tweet any waiver wire questions at me and I will be sure to answer it for you. That is all we got today, folks. So goodbye and good luck with your waiver claims this week.